This is Raja Bihari Das, and you're listening to an introductory overview series on the Bhagavad Gita. You are welcome to join our class every Saturday from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Bhakti Lounge at the Hare Krishna Temple in Potomac, Maryland. Our general plan is to cover a chapter a week of the Bhagavad Gita. Thank you for listening. The first chapter, if you recall, the first uh, um, 28 verses or so, 27 or 28 verses, gave us a little mini Mahabharata, a little idea of what's going on on the battlefield. And then um, Arjuna says, well, pull the chariot up in front of <laughs> the army so I can see what's going on. And Krishna puts the chariot right in front of his grandfather and his guru. And then he gives the name. Arjuna's has all these different reasons that why he should not fight in the battle. He gives five different reasons, and those continue up into the beginning of the second chapter. And then Arjuna, so bewildered, not knowing what to do, says, Now I'm your disciple, soul surrendered unto you. Please instruct me. And then Krishna begins his instructions of the uh, of the Gita. Um, and this, we're just finishing this section from verse 11 to verse 30. That is basically, you could call it Sankhya, or you, it's, it's just the difference between the body and the soul. Or Gyan, it's another word, it's knowledge, but it's very specific knowledge. Not, not exactly knowledge about Krishna yet, but knowledge of the difference between the body and the soul. The most basic knowledge that um, Vedic literature is based on, but at the same time, it's, it's basic. But it's not so easy to realize. It's easy to say it. It's easy to go up to people and say, you know, you're not, you're not your body, right? We say, this is my hand, this is my knees, this is my nose. Who's the I that's saying my, that's who we really are? So it's easy to teach it. It's not so easy to fully realize it or live it. So we're just finishing that section. And then the next section, well, I'll, get, I'll talk about the next session when we get to it. So, I believe we did the amazing verse last time. Is that right? Anyone remember? Okay, so the, I'll go over the amazing verse one more time. Some look on the soul as amazing. This is verse 29. Some describe him as amazing, and some hear of him as amazing, while others, even after hearing about him, cannot understand him at all. So... Um, some look on the soul, they see that the soul is amazing. Some, their words describe it as amazing, and some have heard about it. You know, it's just, Ascharyavat uh, means amazing. So the soul is amazing in so many ways. That one very, very small spark energizes an elephant as well as uh, an ant. It's quite an amazing thing. So that's the amazing verse. And Prabhupada says that in the purport, the fact that the atomic soul is within the body of a gigantic animal, in the body of a gigantic banyan tree, and also in the microbic germs, uh, millions and billions of which occupy only an inch of space, is certainly amazing. Now a little later, illusion by the material energy, people are so engrossed in subject matters for sense gratification that they have very little time to understand the question of self-understanding, even though it is a fact that without this self-understanding, all activities result in ultimate defeat in the struggle for existence. Enter Arjuna. Oh, Mohan. Oh, Mohan. I, I, don't, I don't have my glasses on. 
now there's the, the dynamic duo have come. Now someone's sitting there. So you want to... They can start here. One of you want to... They don't bite. Sure, in the middle. You might want to push Okay, welcome, gentlemen. We are on the second chapter, verse 29. Okay, so, um, you know, this word sense gratification obviously comes up a lot, right? So just Let's just think about it for a minute, what it means. And I think I'll go off of Zoom if nobody's on it. It's just me. Is that all right? Because um, it, it's... So we have senses, right? The eyes, the nose, the nose, the ears, you know, the mouth, etc. Right? And most of us, one way or another, we're looking to give some pleasure to that. And especially if you include the mind as a sixth mm -hmm. sense, right? We're trying to, you know, people are looking for peace of mind, right? And uh, and and all of that. And we want to look at things that are beautiful. We want to hear things that are nice. We want to taste things that are nice. We want our mind wants to be satisfied by being with people that we find nice. And alternatively, we're trying to avoid those things that don't gratify our senses. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so it's not just sometimes sense gratification is just gross, you know, you know, putting meat in something, you know, illicit activities and all that. But but it can also be subtle. Um, it it's basically on a certain level. It's anything except trying to please the senses of God. It may be more subtle or more gross. It may give really bad karma or relatively good karma. But it's all has tinges of selfishness uh, unless it's directed ultimately. So even, even community service, because we're still thinking I'm part of the community or people will think I'm a really good person. Yeah, that's not, and, and that's not to put down those things, but it's just to recognize that the real purity comes about when we're actually trying to please Krishna's senses. And that comes in a lot of ways. That does mean, for example, serving your community, especially your devotional community. It does mean um, having friendships. It does mean eating, but, you know, just eating prasadam. It does mean hearing nice things. But just, you know, um, uh, Shivani's kirtans instead of, you know, Lady Gaga or whatever, you know, or uh, Chaloti or whatever, whoever, you know. Um, so it's just, so, so it's just because, you know, we're going to hear so much about sense gratification in the Bhagavad Gita, even today. There's just a lot about, so it's just good to make sure we understand that term in its entirety, right? And you already made one very good essential point was that senses also mean mind. mind. Yeah, mind is also a sense. Yes. Although it's not always in, like explicitly referred. Right. Well, if you look at uh, chapter 15, verse 7, uh, someone turn to that real quick. Just one, you don't have to all do it, but does somebody find it? 15, 7? Who can get there fast, fastest? <laughs> Thank you. The living entities in this conditioned world are my eternal fragmented parts. Due to conditioned lives, they are struggling hard with the six senses, which includes the mind. Yeah, because isn't you know everyone wants peace of mind, 
or some, I don't know, everyone, most people want peace of mind. So does the category in which uh, the action gets placed, like sense gratification or service, is it more based on consciousness? Yeah. Because I was thinking like cleaning my house. Like, that could be a service for Krishna. Yes. If I'm thinking about the deities or my altar or something. But then it could also just be, like, my mom's coming or something. Well, you know, yeah. Well, it's, yeah. <laughs> oh, now we're getting... I, it reminds me of a talk I gave last night at the University of Maryland. So we talked about Swadharma. And Swadharma, Dharma means a lot of things in different contexts, but it can mean your occupation. So we have a conditional Swadharma and a constitutional Swadharma. Our conditional Swadharma is uh, like you're a project manager, right? So that's your Swadharma. I'm a conflict resolution person. I don't know what you do. But you should, <laughs> Something should smarter than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have our Swadharmas. And not, it's not necessarily that the work we're doing right now is necessarily our Swadharma. We may not have found our niche yet. But we, we all have a God-given abilities, right? And then we have our constitutional one is service to God service to Krishna. So one of the tri tricks or one of the uh, smart things to do is try to do our conditional Swadharma in a way that it, it at least doesn't uh, interfere with our constitutional Swadharma or even better, it it helps it. Mm -hmm. Right. So cleaning your house obviously is not against Krishna consciousness. right? So, but it may be one of your dharmas like that. Yeah. I was gonna say something. So, so yes. Yeah, so sense gratification can be looked in a very broad sense, right? Or we can look at it in a more narrow sense of, uh, at least for those of us who have taken the vows, right? There's four kind of basic sense gratifications that we try to that we avoid, right? The uh, no illicit sex, no gambling, no intoxication, and no meat, fish, or eggs. Right? And that's sometimes the way it's used amongst. Uh, is conites. Um, but it can be also seen in, in a more kind of esoteric and broad sweeping thing, which is, you know, anything we do with the consciousness really looking out for number one, you know. Okay, shall we go on? Or any questions or comments? Anyway, you know, I don't have to ask for that every time. Just mm. feel free to. So, Prabhupada, uh, once Prabhupada said, okay, that you won't. No sense gratification. And I think there is a verse. I, I of course, can't remember what, what verse. And then he said, it doesn't mean that the senses would have lost their function. Exactly. There is a verse there. Exactly. Yeah. There's many verses like that, actually. Right. Yeah. So we use our, that, that's yes. the whole thing. And it also comes up maybe today. Of course, we're already starting off slow. <laughs> uh, but if we get to that verse. Um, yes, that's the difference between. Uh, Krishna consciousness and impersonal realization. It's really hard because impersonalists can't use their senses in Krishna's service. Well, let me do, I just better take see if it's an emergency or something. Yes? Yeah, I am, but that's why I only picked up unless it was an emergency or something. My son. Um, oh, yeah, so, we, so we're so lucky. You know, like we can have really nice foodstuffs. Just offer it to Krishna first. You know, just like you guys have, like your father is such an amazing cook, and your mother. You know, so it's like, really, oh, come on, how many thousands of times have he made pasta for you? My dad. Yeah, or your. Maybe like 
Well, your mom then, right? But your dad cooks for all of us all the time. <laughs> for decades. Yeah. Um, so, we're, so we're lucky. And actually, if you look at uh, chapter 12, verse 5 of the Bhagavad Gita, if somebody wants to find that, um, uh, Krishna talks about that. He says that it's really hard to become self-realized in the impersonal path because you're, you're denying your senses right? instead of using them for Krishna's pleasure and therefore you know, seeing the beautiful form of the deities, tasting the nice prasadam, right? Anyone have it? Yeah, Clay showed the cut. No, no, chapter uh, 12. Yeah. Uh, in the minds, for those uh, whose minds are attached to the unmanifested, impersonal feature of the supreme, advancement is very troublesome. To make progress in that discipline mm. is always difficult for those who are embodied. Mm. See, so it's a lot harder, Krishna says. Because then the next verse... He says, Babami uh, Hicharaparta. He says, actually, for the devotees, I become the swift deliverer from the ocean of birth and death. <laughs> so that contrast. We'll see this a lot in the Gita. Krishna likes to use contrast, which is a very nice uh, way to explain things to anyone. You know, to say, well, this is the result if you do this, and this is the result if you do that. If you have any brains, Arjuna, you're going to choose this one. <laughs> right? So he uses contrast a lot. Not this Arjuna, the original one. <laughs> I wasn't getting at his case. Uh, and then the final verse that kind of summarizes this point, O descendant of Bharata, he who dwells in the body can never be slain. Therefore, you need not grieve for any living being. And then Prabhupada makes an important point in the last sentence, last two sentences. Though the soul is immortal, violence is not encouraged. But at the same time, war is not discouraged when it is actual. And when there is actual need for it, that need must be justified in terms of the sanction of the Lord and not capriciously. You know, capriciously means without, you know, um, whimsically. Yeah, whimsically. Very good. Yeah, whimsically. Right. So, you know, if somebody's murdering millions of people or thousands of people or something, then certainly taking them out, as they say, is, a, is an appropriate thing to do. Okay, so now we're entering into a you might wonder, why does Krishna do this? Because now he's going to talk to Arjuna. He just said, you're not your body, right? And therefore you should fight. Now he's going to say, even if you are in Maya and you think you're your body, you should fight. If you think you're your So he's taking it down to a lower level. Okay? So he's saying, considering your specific duty as a chatriya, if you think you're a chatriya, you know, which is just a, his temporary designation for this life, you should know that there is no better engagement for you than fighting on religious principles, and so there is no need for hesitation. Text 32. O Parta, Parta's uh, name for Arjuna, happy are the Chatriyas to whom such fighting opportunities come unsought, opening for them the doors of the heavenly planets. So it says, uh, now remember we made the distinction between heavenly planets and the spiritual world. Right? Okay, so that's an important distinction because it says in the Vedas, in the karma part of the Vedas, which we're going to get to in a few verses, that you know, if you if a warrior dies on the battlefield, he attains heaven, not spiritual heaven. So he's saying, hey, it's a good deal. You think you're your body? You got a good deal. Either you win and you get the kingdom, or you lose and you go to heaven. It's like win-win. Well, what if a warrior is fighting you know, for, for for Krishna for karma yoga? Then it's still the heavenly planet. It's not moksha. Um. 
I think it would depend on his consciousness. Now, in the Kurukshetra, it said because Krishna was present, everyone got beyond moksha. They got Krishna. But uh, it would depend on their consciousness. Thank you so much, Prabhu, for doing that. Yeah, sure. What Did you work something out? Well, just before I got there, they just took the offense and they took it off the hinges. <laughs> so I was left struggling to get it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Strong Thank desire you. to so, see the cows. They got in. <laughs> so the person like Duryodhan, uh, you know, how bad he was, but still, he got heavenly. Yeah, you know, Krishna's, uh, yeah. yeah. But, well, okay, hold on. We don't know uh, which kind of liberation they got. Right, because you, you were going to say, as I think I know what you were going to say, but go ahead and say it. No, that, I was just saying that, well, you know, then what's the difference between being good and bad? Right, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I, I saw your face, right. I knew you were going to mention that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, that's, yeah. Uh, there's different kinds yeah, of uh, liberations, and uh, um, this comes up in the Srimad Bhagavatam in the story of Shishupal. Right, because he actually enters in. What does he? You've seen that? Right? He enters into Krishna, doesn't he? Yeah, like, yeah. It seems like he walks in like unannounced. Well, Krishna shortens him a little bit, and right? He, he cuts his head off. <laughs> yeah. And then his soul after. enters into the body of Krishna. So oh. that's not what we're after. Um, <laughs> so, yes, on on one level, we we could think like that. Like, what's you know, he didn't even have to work hard. You know, no, we don't know. Um, I'll research it a little bit more, but basically there's different kinds of uh, liberation. And we're not actually looking for liberation, we're looking for prema. Right? Actually, a devotee ultimately doesn't even care if he or she's liberated. You know, Lord Chaitanya says, Nadanam, Rajanam, Nasunarim, Kavitamba, Jagadisha, Kameya, Mama Jamani, Jamani Ishwari. He's saying birth after birth. That means I'm willing to stay in this world birth after birth. But Bhavatat Bhaktir, my only request is I want devotion. That's a very high consciousness. But that's ultimately what we're after. So we wouldn't even, you know, we don't want, we don't want to be Jiro. We don't want to be Arjuna. That make sense? Yes? Okay. Um, let's continue, 33. If, however, you do not perform your religious duty of fighting... Then you will incur sins for neglecting your duties and thus lose your reputation as a fighter. So two things here. One definition of sin, in, in Sanskrit or Hindi, it's pop or papam, papam, right? Is to not do your duty. You know, we think of sin as, you know, going out to Joe's Bar and Grill and you know, having a hamburger and, you know, drinking uh, Jack Daniels. But uh, that's one part of sin, but also just not doing what you're supposed to do. <laughs> and then he says here, uh, you lose your reputation as a fighter. Now we're going to hear more about. Now, it's so it's a little hard for us to understand the mindset of a chatriya. Um, they were very much proud and cared very much about their reputation, because we could say, oh, devotees are humble; they don't care about their reputation, right? I mean, at least I do, but some aren't, don't. Are <laughs> not supposed to. <laughs> Um, but again, he's talking to him on this level, right? 
the lower level, not on the higher level. So that's what's, we have to remember the context. Otherwise, things get confusing if we don't keep the context in mind. So now he really gets heavy with him. People will always speak of your infamy, and for a respectable person, dishonor is worse than death. And he says, the great generals who have highly esteemed your name and fame will think that you have left the battlefield out of fear only, and thus they will consider you insignificant. So in the purport, Shiva Prabhupada says, do not think that the great generals like Duryodhana, Karna, and other contemporaries will think that you have left the battlefield out of compassion for your brothers and grandfather. They will think you have left out of fear for your life. So they'll think, oh, look at Arjuna. He's so compassionate. You're not going to think, anything. what a wimp. <laughs> look at this guy. You can't believe it. You know, he's born in the Kuru dynasty and his father is a Pandu. And then he's just like, space case, you know, running away. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so Krishna's telling him that if you trying to, he's, he's, you know, prodding him a little bit, right? Do they do that in school sometimes? Oh, you know, you know they, they do it when I was a kid, you know, yeah, you sissy or whatever, you don't want to play. Oh, oh yeah, they football. do that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like for like fights and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. A lot of fights in the cafeteria. There's fights in the cafeteria in Potomac? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, People battle for where they, whoever wants territory, or where they sit for lunch. <laughs> and like, there's like two big groups of like people. And I remember one time it was like, people were like running away from like the cafeteria, like running out. And like, some people were had still, still were eating while running out and were like dropping food all over the place. Oh my like, god. <laughs> Did you quote the Bhagavad Gita today? <laughs> I, I I ran up to um my to the class I had next after lunch. Your enemies will describe you in many unkind <laughs> words and scorn your ability. What could be more painful for you? O son of Kunti, either you will be killed on the battlefield and attain the heavenly planets, or you will conquer and enjoy the earthly kingdom. Therefore, get up. Get up with determination and fight. Do that. <clears throat> and this is an important verse here, the next one. Um, do thou fight for the sake of fighting. In other words, do your duty because it's meant to be done. Right? Just like um, uh, Stephanie has to go off into Kentucky for Knox. So she might be thinking, oh, I go to Kentucky. But, you know, we should say, no. You know, we don't let our mind, like, you know, uh, either all, all, met, all messed up by either traction or aversion. In terms of our conditional duty, we do it because it's meant to be done. Uh, I may have mentioned this last week. In, in India, when I first moved there in 1988, you would still see elders who really had this very much. And I think it's being lost a lot. But they just you know, I do this because it's meant to be done. I don't, you know, not they weren't necessarily devotional, but they just they did their duty. Rituals. Well, rituals also, but also I meant even their work. They just oh. you know, showed up for work or or whatever. You know, or just doing the right thing, <clears throat> and it's just because it was part of the, you know, yeah. you just do it. Now it's more like, what do I get from it? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or is it fun? Yeah. You know, is it gonna be? Yeah. So here it says, "Do thou fight for the sake of fighting? Do you do?" And and remember, his job is to fight. Ours is to do whatever ours is to do. Yours is to work at the temple here, mm -hmm. uh, without considering happiness or distress, because the mind is always 
accepting and rejecting. Well, this will make me happy. Just uh, loss or gain, victory or defeat. And then by doing that, you shall never incur sin. So would you say this is the table of content for the karma yoga? Yes, this is the table of content for the karma yoga, yes. And what happens, and I'm really glad you brought that up, because what you'll see often in the purports is that we're at the part of the Bhagavad Gita that's here, okay? And Prabhupada in the purports often keeps reminding us of the goal. Right. So even though this might be about karma yoga, here in the purport, Lord Krishna now directly says that Arjuna should fight for the sake of fighting because he, capital H, desires the battle. That's not, that's, Prabhupada being a pure devotee of Krishna's understands his inner motivation, right? Because a scholar might look at this and say, no, no, that's, it just says do your work. It doesn't say because Krishna wants to do it. And sometimes one, one devotee went to Prabhupada and said, Prabhupada, sometimes you're, you're criticized for you putting Krishna where he isn't there in the Gita. And Prabhupada said, oh, they have understood me. <laughs> he, he, he's, not, he's not, obviously, it's, we call it Bhagavad Gita as it is, right? Or in Sanskrit, it's yata. Yata means as it is. So he's presenting it as it is, as it's coming into Sutlik succession, also giving us some of the, the inner workings of the Gita. But he's certainly not changing anything or coming out with some kind of, you know, he's giving us sometimes the conclusion, which I found very helpful because if you had to wait till the 18th chapter, some people might not read the whole book. But here, even if you read one verse in the first chapter, you get the conclusion. <laughs> uh, there is no consideration of happiness or distress, profit or loss, victory or defeat in the activities of Krishna consciousness. That everything should be performed for the sake of Krishna is transcendental consciousness. So there is no reaction to material activities. So you don't get karma when you're in this kind of consciousness. Mm. Um, so we have, we have, we'll probably have some plenty of times to exercise that because at least I know for myself I don't like the cold weather. <laughs> right? So we'll say, well, should I go to the temple? It's so cold. You know, <laughs> right? You know, that's uh, when I used to um, uh, distribute Srila Prabhupada's books to the public. Um, when I was younger, um, I had a lot of opportunities to do this, especially during Christmas time, because Christmas time was a good time to distribute books, but it was also, I was in Michigan, it was really cold, you know, so I, I was going, I was outside on street corners and things, and it was like, you know, 10 degrees. So one time I was in um, Ottawa, that's really cold, in Canada, <laughs> you know, like, I had to go inside every 10 minutes to a store just to, you know, warm up, but, but no, I, but I kept on thinking of this verse, I just, you know, don't consider happiness or distress, loss or gain, victory or defeat, just do my service, and it was a good practice to kind of control, you know, because the mind is, you know, and you say, no, no, Krishna says, just, just do it, don't worry about, you know, happiness or stress. Thinking I should be like record myself saying this as my alarm goes off. Like yes. our alarm goes off at like three forty five from Mangalaki <laughs> and it's like so dark and cold. I mean it's always dark, but it feels especially dark yeah. right now. <laughs> yes. This time of year. It's uh, yeah. Do we're close duty, to what are we were only what is the date? The third of December? Is yeah, that right? Second. Yeah. Second. Oh, second. Yeah, so um you know, twenty first is the shortest day of the year. Right. So we're right around the shortest day mm -hmm. sunlight wise. Okay, um, now, 
a switch. This is where we were supposed to be <laughs> last week. Um, thus far, so Krishna is giving less so far, I describe knowledge uh, to you through analytical study, right? An analysis between the body and the soul. Not these last eight verses, but previous to that. Okay? Now listen as I explain in terms of working without fruitive results, karma yoga. Uh, o son of Pritza, when you act in such knowledge, you can be free yourself from the bondage of work. So work, we get our karma through work, and here Krishna is going to say throughout the Gita, throughout the Gita, that you get you free yourself from karma by work. An example that's sometimes given in the scriptures is sometimes when you get a thorn, you take it out with another thorn. So action got us in this mess, and different kind of action can get us out of this mess. I was remembering that I was walking around Govardhan and stepping on some thorns. That <laughs> <laughs> was like, ah, oh, Krishna's mercy. <laughs> <laughs> so here, look at the sentence. Or this, it's the second sentence, or, or third. Arjuna's proposal not to fight was based on sense gratification. <laughs> Because he wants, you know, we for all those reasons that we heard in the first chapter. Now, the, this is, I can't remember which, on my computer it's sometimes hard to see which uh, paragraph it is, but it begins, Arjuna has already accepted Krishna as his spiritual master by surrendering himself unto him. Um, second paragraph. Second paragraph, okay. It says, Consequently, Krishna will now tell him about the working process in Buddha Yoga or Karma Yoga, or in other words, the practice of devotional service only for the sense gratification of the Lord. Okay, so let's let's define these terms a little bit just first, just because you know it's good to clarify that because we're going to hear them a lot. So Buddha means intelligence. Okay, so Buddha Yoga is, um, I don't know how technical to get, but it's, um, there's, karma yoga is, karma means work, right? So what we're hearing now is kind of combined, it's work with intelligence, mm -hmm. right? So work, do your work, but with the buddhi that we heard from verses 11 to 30, that I'm not this body. So it's putting the two together, that's what buddhi yoga is. And it's, and it's also a technical term that Prabhupada hasn't gotten into the technical term. It's called Nishkam Karma Yoga. It's Karma Yoga with Nish without Kam material desires. Nishkam Karma Yoga. And Srila Prabhupada here is taking those two terms and saying, equating them with Krishna consciousness. Okay, because they lead. You could say they lead to Krishna consciousness. Uh, I don't know how technically, if we looked at verse, uh, chapter 9, verses 26 and 27, if somebody wants to pull that up, uh, 9, 26, and 27, um, this might help us a little bit. And if I'm getting too technical, let me know. So in 26, Krishna says, Patram Pushpam Palam Toyam. This is that beautiful verse. He says, if one offers me with love and devotion a leaf, a flower, a fruit, or water, asnami, I will accept it. And he mentions the word bhakti twice. 
that verse, right? So it's very, it's such a beautiful verse. And 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 everything is in the singular, a leaf, a flower. He's not talking about, you know, uh, what is it called? Chapambo? You know, 56 preparations, and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right? He's saying, a, you know, a leaf, a flower, right? And he says, uh, if you offer it with bhakti, I accept it. Then the next verse, um, how does it begin the Sanskrit? He says that whatever you do, whatever you offer, whatever you give away, um, do it as an offering unto me. So this is just, this is technical, but it's a very, I think you'll find this interesting. There's a slight difference. Here, you're already going to do these things, so offer them to Krishna. Mm-hmm. The other one was, Krishna is telling us what to do and says just do it with love. Mm-hmm. So 26 is more is is called pure bhakti. 27 you might call this buddhi yoga or or nishkam karma yoga that we're going to be studying now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's wonderful. Prabhupada quoted that verse a lot. It's not yet 27. It's not bad at all. It's just there's just a slight 26 it says Krishna says jump and you say how high. <laughs> and 27 is, um, you know, I'm already going to um, go to uh, giants, so let me get all kinds of nice things off of Krishna. There's not, it's a subtle yeah. thing, but mm-hmm. just to give you the, uh, the gradation here. Okay? Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, now, this next verse is just beautiful, and it's really, it's one of those really encouraging verses, right? Uh, In this endeavor, there is no loss or diminution, and a little advancement on this path can protect one from the most dangerous type of fear. And then second sentence, even a small beginning of such activity, Krishna consciousness, finds no impediment, nor can that small beginning be lost at any stage. Any work begun on the material plane has to be completed, otherwise the whole attempt becomes a failure. But any work begun in Krishna consciousness has a permanent effect, even though not finished. The performer of such work is therefore not at a loss, even if his work in Krishna consciousness is incomplete. One percent done in Krishna consciousness bears permanent results. So then the beginning, so that the next beginning, means the next life, is from the point of two percent, or even the next week. Whereas material activity without 100% success, there's no problem. So it's uh, it's very encouraging, isn't it? You know, and the most dangerous type of fear is sometimes described as taking a birth uh, in a species other than a human being. Because then you're only you're trapped in just eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. Okay. Now this next verse um, is a also super important verse, especially for those of us who are followers of Srila Prabhupada, and I'll explain that in a minute. Those who are on this path are resolute in purpose, and their aim is one. O beloved child of the crews, the intelligence of those who are irresolute is many branched. And I love this uh, first sentence after that Bengali. Faith means unflinching trust in something sublime. Faith means unflinching trust in something sublime. Sublime means um, transcendent, esoteric, beautiful, otherworldly. 
It's a very nice word. Even even the sound of the word sounds sublime. <laughs> right, so uh, so when one is engaged in the duties of Krishna consciousness, now this is a very interesting one. To think about how we apply this practically. He need not act in relationship to the material world, to obligations to family traditions, humanity, or nationality. Fruit of activities are the remember fruit of activities from last week. Trying to get the fruit. Mm -hmm. are the engagements of one's reactions from past good and bad deeds. When one has awakened Krishna consciousness, he need no longer endeavor for good results in his activities. It means it's, he does his duty without attachment. Right? Otherwise, we usually only do things because we're thinking it's going to be something good for us. Mm -hmm. right? But obviously, me going out in Ottawa in 10 degree weather, there was nothing good for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, although it's the highest good, right. it was, yeah. it's real self-interest. In some places in the Shastra, it talks about bhakti is real self-interest. Right. Um, when one is situated in Krishna consciousness, all activities are on the absolute plane, for they are no longer subject to dualities like good and bad. The highest perfection, this is a, quite an interesting sentence, of Krishna consciousness is renunciation of the material conception. We're putting on a whole different set of glasses when we read the Bhagavad Gita. It's it's different. How we're, how Krishna's, he's giving us a different um, uh, worldview. Sometimes is the word that people use. And, you know, different way of seeing the world. Um, and so let's look at this. So when one is engaged in... So Krishna consciousness is transcendental, right? It's saying uh, there's no need to be in relation to material with obligations to family traditions, humanity, or nationality. Um, so that's just, that sentence is emphasizing the point that Krishna consciousness is up here. That doesn't mean, in other places, I remember at one time, uh, Srila Prabhupada was talking about our children, devotee children, and he said that they should be... Um, uh, outstanding citizens of their country. It should be seen like that. Right? So it doesn't um, mean that we neglect our families, we neglect, um, you know, paying our taxes or whatever. Um, but it's it's putting it in perspective. Putting it in perspective. That makes sense. And then the famous. Uh, uh, analogy in the next paragraph as by watering the root of a tree what automatically distributes water to the leaves and branches so by acting in Krishna consciousness one can render the highest service to everyone namely self family society country humanity etc if Krishna is satisfied by one's actions then everyone will be satisfied so this is the opposite of sometimes you hear in India Manava seva is madava seva, right? Service to man is service to God. And here, Krishna Prabhupada is saying, madava seva is manava seva. It's, look, it's looking at it from a different point of view. Although we do do manava seva, for example, um, distributing prasadam to people who, you know. I remember when there was the tsunami in India, um, and... Uh, we have a, a devotees run a hospital in Mumbai, 
called Bhaktivedanta Hospital. So when that happened, they they pretty much they kept just a skeleton crew at the hospital, and they all flew to Chennai to help those two people and to also distribute prasadam. You know, they would they'd have these they would cook in these things almost like the size of this room, you know, <laughs> making kitchen stirring it up, you know. <laughs> okay, so what we're going to hear now is, since we've been hearing about how Krishna consciousness is up here, we're going to hear about some things that are the, down here. And some of them are the Vedas. See, the Vedas aren't just about bhakti. They are like called sometimes called like a, a kamadenu. They, they fulfill anyone's desire. So if you want to have a good time in this world materially, they give information about how to do that. So that's what Krishna is going to be referring to here. Men of small knowledge are very much attached to the flowery words of the Vedas, which recommend various... Oh, could we close that again? Is that it's right on time, right in my eyes. Just the one on the left is enough. Put the one on the right. <laughs> yeah, that way. Thank you. Perfect. Is that okay? Is everyone warm enough? Um, okay, so men of small knowledge are very much attached to the flowery words of the Vedas. These are called the Karma Kanda section of the Vedas, which recommend various fruitive activities. It means, you know, looking up for one number one, for elevation to heavenly planets, good birth, power, and so forth. Being desire of sense gratification and opulent life, they say there is nothing more than this. That's that's they're happy. You know, have a heavenly life, or even in this life, have a Lexus and a car by house by the sea, and a you know, 70-inch color TV. Life is good. It's funny because um, one of one of the cars we have car we have three cars just because we we go in different directions. But one of them is this 2005 Prius that's um, it's not in very good shape. <laughs> so I was at Potomac Village today, and I was uh, doing something there, and um, this woman drives up with her Porsche, uh, Pana what is it, pa Panorama, Pan anyway, it's like a hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking about it, you know, and I, and I was, uh, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about it, and I, you know what, I think I'd rather have my Prius. Because <laughs> then there's no anxiety, you know, if somebody bumps into me, it's like, okay, you know, <laughs> I just added on to the other bumps, you know, and, and I get better gas mileage, and I, my, insur my insurance is practically nothing, you know. <laughs> Oh, just gonna open the door, yeah. please. Um, whereas, you know, this this is really high maintenance, this Porsche. Yeah. And if somebody were to, you know, bump into it, and thank you so much, Prabhu. Oh, thank, you. Ah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. You know. Thank you. Thank you, Prabhu. Thank you. Anyway, I might have taken the Porsche here in that one, <laughs> but I definitely would rather have my Subaru than that. <laughs> the Subaru gets oh, me yeah. through the winter. And yeah. <laughs> um, but. For those, and the many of many people are like this in some way or another. That there's nothing more than this. It's real. I I went to um, a um, Christian university for my master's degree, and it was it's very it's very very um, socially active. Uh, most of the people are what they call Fulbright scholars, so they're from around the world, and most of them are involved in um, peace building and. You know, very active uh, social activism. Mm -hmm. So one of them was in the South Sudan, to, uh, trying to help uh, children there, and got in a car accident and died. 
And so they, they announced this, you know, by email to all the people in my graduating class and the, you know, people in the, the very nice person. So the, the um, appreciations are pouring in. Um, it's just, it, it was sad, of course, but it's sad also that we weren't talking about transcendental knowledge, you know, uh, like one person said, this, this should just be an indication that, I mean, they, they get close, like, oh, life is so, you know, um, anything can happen at any time therefore you should hold tight to your loved ones yeah. Yeah. which okay hold tight to your loved ones but you know hold tight to God to Krishna to you know and this is a Christian group um, and it was just kind of sad that it wasn't elevated to that level mm -hmm. of discussion we heard that a lot after 9-11 mm -hmm. yeah that you know life is not sure in time just close close to stick close to the loved ones after 9-11 everyone just yeah. so common mm -hmm. right and they, they, what is it? Does anyone know? In is it a Hindi or Bengali or Sanskrit? Uh, the um, the renunciation of the funeral. When you're at a funeral, you get a very renounced. There's a name for that. Oh, uh, oh my dad told me that. Yeah. So um, because it's like that, right? You go to a funeral and you start. You get real philosophical. Yeah. And then you know the football matches on later in the day, <laughs> you know, or you know President Trump did something, you know, and it's you know, it's all uh, a lost memory. And even um, um, Yudhisthira Arjuna's brother was asked, "What is the most wonderful thing?" And he said, "The most wonderful thing is that people are dying at every moment, and still we all think I will never die. I won't die." Yeah. Thought about that yesterday. I was going to. Um, University of Maryland from downtown. So my GPS took me through uh, past Catholic University, and just before Catholic University is this huge cemetery. Uh, yeah, that's... yeah. I was thinking, okay, so I'm 59. Like even if I, let's say let's say optimistic, I live till 80. So in 21 years, I'm going to be you know <laughs> in the same boat those guys, <laughs> those people were in. It's sobering. I worked at Brown last year, and I turned 30, and I kept saying to people, like, yeah, I feel like I'm wasting my life, like I'm careening, like, closer and closer to death, and, like, every day is passing, and I'm just wasting it, and everyone's response, I was like, no, 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 like, they couldn't hear couldn't it, hear it. Yeah. like, and I was really, like, yeah, because we had, like, we'd been living in temples up until then, and then all of a sudden, I was, like, we're completely away from devotee association, and, but no one wanted to hear that, like, I was feeling like I'm like at some point I'm gonna die and I need to be aware. Yeah. And it was so funny, like they would actually be like, No, no, stop, stop like they'd close their ears, like <laughs> And that's an Ivy League school. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're well educated people, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. like yeah. And I was in the office of the chaplains. So oh, it's yeah. like they're even religious minded people, you know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And at the, and at the same time, um, that's natural mm -hmm. because we we're we're eternal. So death is such an unnatural thing. Right. But but the Ishupanishad does say right that we should aspire to for hundred years. If we if, have yeah. that consciousness, <laughs> you, you left out the <laughs> you left out the second part of the sentence. Yeah. <laughs> One can aspire to live for hundreds of years if they you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if you live in the way of seeing that everything belongs to Krishna. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. So this is a famous verse. In the minds of those, and think if this ever applies to us or you, uh, in the, it certainly applies to me. In the minds of those who are too attached to sense enjoyment and material opulence and who are bewildered by such things, the resolute determination for devotional service to the Lord does not take place. 
the Vedas mainly deal. So the Vedas are this vast thing, and only what we study, the, the highest part, the bhakti, is not. You know, here it says the Vedas mainly deal with the subject of the three modes of material nature, O Arjuna. Become transcendental to these modes. Be free from all dualities. And from those are the dualities we heard about, right? Heat, cold, happiness, distress. And from all anxieties for gain and safety, God will take care of you. Krishna will take care of you. And, and be established in the... Is that for me? Yes. Thank you. Established in the self. And it's very beautiful um, Sanskrit. It says, Nistragunya, rise above these modes. Nistragunya. Okay, anything? Just stop me if uh, I want to say something. So all the purpose, all the purposes, thank you so much for serving that out. Uh, all the purposes served by a small well can at once be served by a great reservoir of water. Similarly, all the purposes of the Vedas can be served by one who knows the purpose behind them. Right? So um, sometimes in villages in India, um, they would have different wells for different purposes. One for you know getting bath water, one for cleaning utensils and things like that. But if you have a river near your village, you can take it all, you know, yeah, it all takes care of in one place, right? So um, here it says, and the purposes of all the, the understanding of what the Vedas are really about is if the person who knows the purpose behind them, which is ultimately, well, ultimately, ultimately, Prema. Um, so hearing about those, it is not, this is a, a little past that, um, Sanskrit verse. It is not possible for the common man in this age to follow all the rules and regulations of the Vedic rituals. That's all those do's and do nots to get some heavenly pleasures. Nor is it possible to study all the Vedanta and Upanishad story. That's another part. That's the jnana part. That's the part where you you know get into your head all about the difference between the body and the soul and all that. So neither the part that says do this ritual, do this sacrifice and You'll get a really nice wife or whatever, you know, and not the one that just, you know, sit and meditate, I'm not this body, I'm not this body. Both of them are very difficult. It requires much time, energy, knowledge, and resources to execute the purposes of the Vedas. This is hardly possible in this age. The best purpose of Vedic culture is served, however, by the chanting, by chanting the holy name of the Lord, as recommended by Lord Chaitanya. The deliverer of all fallen souls. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. That's uh, we're on the purport of 46. Oh, it's so nice to have tea in the winter. Yeah. My senses feel very gratified. <laughs> <laughs> you have a question? No. Okay. So, you know, so chanting is the yuga dharma. The uh, or the Kali Yuga, and it's so nice. Uh, if you like to chant under Japa by yourself, that's great. If you like to chant in Kirtan, it's especially great. And every religious tradition has this. I'm 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 going to I don't know when I'm supposed to do it. Um, I'm supposed to give a Sunday talk on this. I'm still thinking of the name uh, of the talk, but um, Janavi Harrison. Do you know her? She's a, oh, yeah. so she has a. Uh, 
a nice talk that she did on BBC called Hallowed Be Thy Name. And it talks about all the various, she, in there she, she quotes the various uh, religious traditions that all have this idea. Of, and like I, I mentioned to you, I went to a, uh, a Mennonite school, actually, was where I went for graduate school. And they're very into acapella, you know, um, four-part harmony without instruments. Beautiful singing and glorification of God. And um, every tradition has, and of course we have kirtan, which is like really cool. Okay, 47. This is the one verse that most, more, more people in India know than any other verse. But they only quote the first line. <laughs> yes? Sorry to interrupt. It's a family problem. Not an urgent or... I just have a quick question. Yeah. There's a flight cancellation. It's a very important verse, but it's very interesting. Um, so most people... Uh, will you know like Hindus and India they'll know this first line karma nevadi karaste right and it says you have a right to perform your prescribed duty you say I'm doing my prescribed duty no problem they usually don't quote the next line <laughs> which says mafalesha gadachana but you are not entitled to the fruits of action in other words all the fruits aren't just for you to hoard <laughs> so they usually don't quote that part. <laughs> Never consider yourself the cause of the results of your actions and never be attached to not doing your duty. Hmm. Uh, so in the purport it says there are three considerations here. Prescribed duties, what we're supposed to do. Capricious duties, remember we define capricious, whimsical. And sitting around doing nothing in action. Prescribed duties are activities enjoined in terms of one's acquired modes of nature. And that means, you know, what we're good at, what we like to do based on our birth. Capricious work means actions without the sanction of authority, and inactions means not performing one's prescribed duty. In the very end, last sentence, any action, any attachment, positive or negative, is cause for bondage. Inaction is sinful. Therefore, fighting as a matter of duty, or in our case, going to work or whatever, um, or even spiritual duties, going to the temple, um, was the only auspicious path of salvation for Arjuna. Okay? So he's saying, do your duty, but as is going to be clear, you have to do it in the right consciousness. That's really important. Like DK, you could be at work, and you're doing your work, whatever the work is, and you may have a colleague who's doing like almost very similar work. And to an outsider, it must look very similar. Did we use this example before? Um, but your consciousness is different. You're maintaining your family or devotees. You, you know, you, you, you know, maybe in your spare time or when you can, you're thinking of Krishna. You know, so you're doing it with a whole different mindset. The other example is given by, um, if you take a, I've never tried this, but allegedly, or at least the kind of silk that used to exist, 500 years ago, if you take a uh, piece of silk, this one great teacher, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, talks about this. Take a piece of silk and you hold it close to a flame and you take it away. I guess not close enough so it gets blackened. but you know. And you, so you hold that up and then you hold a regular piece of silk up. They look the same externally. But the one that was close, if you touch it, it, it crumbles. Because the other one doesn't. So the that's the devotee. 
that it looks the same as what everyone else is doing, but there's practically no karma. You know, you touch it and karma just melts away. Interesting analogy. Mm -hmm. Text 48. Oh, yeah, I have a yeah. question. Go ahead. The yes, previous verse. Which one? In which, I don't know, the verse uh, you mentioned that. Uh, 47. Uh, uh, yoga for this phase is. Oh, is Harinam. Yeah. Harinam. And then other traditions too. Say. Yes. Does other traditions also filter down to that level that it is? The yoga for the age, or they don't? Well, they might not know about, like, you know, the different yugas, and, oh, <laughs> you know, one was meditation, one was deity worship, and, yeah. right? But they are fulfilling that uh, yuga dharma in their own way. Yeah. Yeah, some of it's really, really beautiful stuff. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Because that is confirming our philosophy. Yeah. To a lot of Degree. Yeah. 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 So, so are you saying that they do without knowing why well, they're doing? No, not, not they, without knowing the word yuga dharma. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you go up to a, you know uh, somebody at the local uh, Unitarian church and say, "I'm really glad you guys have performed the yuga dharma." <laughs> 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 okay, like, you know, well, what did you have for uh, you know? <laughs> what are you stoned on? <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> but it's good. It's good. It's hard to do. Anyone ever try uh, vyapasana? Vipassana. Vipassana. Uh -huh. Anyone here done it? What's that? It's What's a that? it's a Buddhist Buddhistic meditation, yeah. and now they've kind of shortened it to two or three days. But at least in India, the ones for seven days. Yeah. You don't talk for seven days. Completely silent. Sitting room, right? Yeah, and you're silent. Oh, yeah. Oh, we always see that on, like, TV shows. Oh, really? You watch really? TV? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so then they, they would, like, so there was an episode when, like, these kids from a, a dojo, uh -huh, right, dojo, they went to visit. Mm -hmm. And this is in China. Well, I forgot where it was. But they went, and then they had to sit there. And the first person to talk... Would have gone like hit and like beat yeah. up. Yeah, you get hit by the. Uh, I mean, that in some places. No, I don't know, Prasanna, but um, no, but no, they don't hit. But 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 you know, the Buddhist tradition was sometimes like that. You get a good whack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the whack never really happened because it's Buddhist philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But anyway, it's not easy. Mm. I, I know a devotee who did it just because he wanted to study what they do because it is um it is incredible like you know you have an itch and you don't itch it and and the itch does go away you know and you just start the realization you get if you're doing it right is um just how wild the mind is and how um you can really get in the mode of goodness and even get like close to brahman realization by just quieting the mind it's really tough. So this devotee was, uh, he had a little clicker with him, you know, at least, you know, and he had to chant his rounds still, you know, he had vowed to chant 16 rounds every day. So he would be in this little, they had put two people to a room. This was in India. So it was like really very quietly chanting. And the, the roommate was just, you know, it was, yeah. it was silence, right? Yeah. So and when, it, when it was all over, 
right? And when they were, you know, they were leaving, the guy say, "I was going nuts with you." Yeah, it's much nicer to sing and dance. Mm. Yeah. yeah. We did that kirtan once, remember that? Wow. For the silent retreat. Oh, that's right, yeah. They And but, they were all in silence, but they did, like, one evening, they which, asked us to come and do a kirtan for them. Yeah, and I and haven't, I mean, they were dancing, like, they had been <laughs> silent for days. Yeah, because yeah, they'd been silent for days, and then like they were breaking oh, their oh, silence with the kirtan. Right. I remember doing that week long silence course, yeah. but by the end of that, it's like you don't want to you don't want to stop all that's right. mm. people. Actually. It's yeah, it's very powerful, but it's still not as easy as kirtan and right. chanting. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So you were saying I'm sorry, I'm a little confused here because. With the example of vipassana and the silence, mm -hmm. but we're saying that bhakti and the cultivating the love is the highest in other traditions as well. And vipassana is trying to, but that doesn't seem like that high. It's not religious or it's not spiritual. Well, it depends on terms. It's not theistic per se. Is that a fair thing to say? Uh, vipassana, yeah, vipassana. Yeah. Yeah, it's not theistic. Oh, yeah, it may be people might call it spiritual, depending how you define terms, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's not. But it's good, fair. It's fair to say it's not theistic. We're not trying to connect you with God per se. <laughs> yeah, um, but the point that. is that quite you know, we are so caught up, we can just live our entire life being bounced around by our mind that's uh, affected primarily by passion and ignorance. Right. The profound thing about I say this to myself about Prabhupada's or Krishna's philosophy is that use that thing in, in bhakti, in devotional yes. activities. Just yeah. Go with it, but then just tilt it towards Krishna. Right. That is a profound thing. So, so yes, yeah, so, um, so um, this is material life and this is spiritual life. Maybe we should do it the other way around. Oh, yeah. This is material life and spiritual life. Right. So um, something like Vipassana is mainly doing that, trying to put quiet down the material, right? And a lot of spiritual practices are two-step. You put this down, and then you pick up the spiritual. But as we're going to learn in verse 59, if we get to it, uh, is that Krishna consciousness is a one-step process. By picking this up, I automatically put this down. Without any two-step process, that's what verse 59 is going to tell us in the, in the second chapter. The mind was... He said it's harder to control yeah. the wind. Yeah, yeah, so it was like but, that. Then also mind. Mind was the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that the beginning of Hollywood? This? Uh, Kurukshetra was... Uh, no, well, Kali Yuga, you could say, began when Krishna left the world. Basically, yeah. So it was just a little, little, just soon. And is it true with, um, you said that that like yukta vairagya? Is that, does that mean you can actually pick up the material, but it comes to? Oh, that's interesting. I don't know if they, that may be mixing metaphors, because um, this is kind of a metaphor yeah, or an example. But but it's a good point that um, that our renunciation 
is called you there's two kinds of words that are sometimes used to discuss renunciation falgu vairagya and yukta vairagya so falgu there's a river apparently called the falgu river you can't see it at all um, the water runs underneath so there's practically nothing there so it's so falgu vairagya is kind of like artificial renunciation mm-hmm. right um when yukta vairagya is actually krishna conscious you're seeing that god owns krishna owns everything and therefore everything can be used in his service whereas the falgu vairagya is well i can't do that i can't do that you know so real renunciation is having a cell phone but using it just for spiritual purposes yeah you know and the, the example that Prabhupada once gave was the he was handed a picture of a, a yogi in India who was had being uh, offered a stack of rupees you know how the rupees can be in stacks especially in those days right, right. Um, and he puts his hand behind his back the yogi like I don't want and Srila Prabhupada said you can take a picture of me going like this <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take it all and I'll use it. The example, the other example that's given is uh, finding a wallet on the street, right? So you can have false renunciation, just leave it there. Right? It's not mine. It had nothing to do with it. You can be selfish and pick it up, take the money out, and maybe throw the, maybe throw the driver's license in the mailbox, right? Or the best thing is to pick it up and find who it belongs to and return it to them. So that's what. Uh, that's Yukta Vairagya. Um, yes, sir. What, what time is it? Oh, that's an important question. Um, three twelve. Do you are you worried about the time? No, I just have to go somewhere. Okay. Should I tell you when it's three thirty? I'll set an alarm. How's that sound? So that you uh, you're not. Uh, Let's see, a timer would be uh, 17 minutes. So we'll make it 16 minutes. This will go off. Okay? Because I know you'd really rather stay for the whole class. Uh, perform your your duty equipoise. This is 48. Or Arjuna, abandoning all attachment to success or failure. Such equanimity is called yoga. O Dhananjaya, that's another name for Arjuna. Keep all abominable activities far distant by devotional service, or here, Buddha yoga in the Sanskrit. And in that consciousness, surrender unto the Lord. Those who want to enjoy the fruits of their work are misers. A man engaged in devotional service rids himself of both good and bad reactions. Because there's also good karma. We, you don't want good karma or bad karma. You want no karma, ultimately, in this life. Therefore, strive for yoga which is the art of all work. And I really like that, right? Uh, karma su koshalam, the art of work. So it's an art to act in this world without getting bad or good karma. It's an art. Is that possible? Yes, by if it's devotional service, if it's bhakti. So it's not like if you... It's like, say you find a turtle when you're walking okay. on a road in the middle of it. And you already know that car is going to come past. So you see the light switch. And you pick it up and move it. Right. Into like a better area. Right. Like good or bad. That's good. And then what you can do is you can chant to the turtle. Afterwards, then it's transcendental. So 
Like like one time Sheila probably you know what a slug is? Yeah, those are dogs. Yeah, but yeah. So <laughs> so this was very early in, in Iskon and somebody said, Probably probably you know, they, they, they were so innocent. It's a slug, what should we do? <laughs> Prabhupada said, Chant to the poor thing. <laughs> So that's some way that you can make it transcendental. Just to say to my dear turtle, Hare Krishna, have a good day. I just saved your life. <laughs> or give him some prasadam. What happens if you're with a big group of people? Just whisper to him then. Just whisper. <laughs> that's going to be weirder, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I prefer it's like you bend down and then. <laughs> no, or, or just say something that, you know, some word that they don't know. Like if you just say Goranga, they don't know what that is. <laughs> but still the turtle gets benefited everyone gets benefited if you say Goranga and you say and you can just say oh it's, it's a Nepali word <laughs> there's all kinds of little things you can do so what if you move the turtle but you didn't chant then what well it's it's um it's a kind act it's a good act so you get yeah, so you get, good, you get some good karma from that but the point is to but the idea is, is to try to use as much of our 24 hours for uh, Krishna karma, as you might call it. Work for Krishna. So what did you Work for Krishna. What did you pick the turtle of thinking like uh, observing Krishna? Yeah, if you could, if you can um, make that connection it. somehow. Kurma <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, right. Kurma yes. So if, if you're a police officer, yeah. And like you're in pursuit and you have to like kill someone, otherwise you won't ever get them again. Right. And like they've like hurt many other people. No karma for that. So, I mean no no bad karma for that at all. No, because so it's, it's it's your duty. Your, it's your duty. Some people have even even else even we know, right? If you if, if somebody goes up and kills somebody, they're in big trouble, right? But if a police officer uh, kill somebody who's about to murder someone, especially if they're doing it under, or if, 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 or in war, if somebody's doing it under the uh, under the orders of their higher authorities, you know, they they not only don't get in karma, sometimes I mean a uh, reaction like in being in jail, but often they might even get uh, awards, right, the Purple Heart or things like that. So it. Uh, so the killing by Pandavas, Arjun, for example, in the battlefield, was they incurred no sin. Not only did not incur no sin, but everyone got benefited because Krishna was there. And that's a very specific case. He's not in most battles. I mean, you know, yes. he's not personally in most battles. Yeah, but Arjuna didn't incur sins because uh, he's doing his duty. So I don't. I would think that like a like a, an American service person, man or woman. In Iraq or wherever, you know, I don't think there's any. Um, so Arjun did thing. not incur sin just because Krishna instructed him to do so. Yes, and also he was acting under higher. You could say, on a mundane level, he's acting under a higher authority because Prabhupada talks about that sometimes. You know, so there's different. Obviously, though, if you're like uh, maybe none of you are old enough to remember this, but there was something in Vietnam called the My Lai massacre, and that was when servicemen. U.S. servicemen just lost their mind and started killing innocent women and children unnecessarily. But, you know, just like they lost it. You know? I mean, it, you know, if you grow up in um, 
Kentucky and then all of a sudden you're in the jungles of Vietnam with malaria. You know, it's an awful situation. Vietnam was such a crazy situation. Um, I have a question. Okay. Um, so is it Krishna always in our soul? Krishna, it, Krishna, there's two things going on inside your heart there. You and Krishna as super soul. So, two. So when we do something wrong, mm-hmm. you said that when Krishna's with us, like we always get benefits from it? Well, I meant when he was personally present oh. externally, but he's in everyone's heart. And yeah, he you know he's better than Santa Claus because he knows if you've been naughty or nice, <laughs> like <Yeah>. everything. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's all kind of uh, recorded. Yeah, so so you understand you're not it's, they're not together. They're, I mean, there are two, you and Super Soul. Okay. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, you were gonna say something? Oh, I was just gonna ask for like because. Our army and navy and air force and things like that. So, under these principles, if they were killing people in battle because of a higher authority, they joined. Um, then they wouldn't have any bad karma for serving. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's my that's uh, <coughs> examples that probably gives. Now, of course, it's not transcendental. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but it's their job. Yeah. Um, because they they, at least the ones that I've met, personally feel they're doing. A service to others, yes. devoting their life to service. Yes, but if you also meet ones, because a lot of the people, most of the um, service men and women that you would have met since you've been an adult, mm-hmm. haven't killed others. Most mm-hmm. of them, it's been basically peacetime, or you know, a few. Obviously, there's been some things in Iraq and some things in Afghanistan, but nothing like Vietnam. We're just, you know, um, just all being sent to, not all. But being, many being sent to the front lines and and really feeling, you know, having a PD, PS, yeah, yeah, you know, afterwards, yeah. or um, you know, having to just uh, kill people that they, had, you know, personally they had no, no grudge with, you know, but some politician somewhere, another politician somewhere, created this. Of course, universal karma, but let, we're not going there. Let's not. You know, we're, we're having enough trouble dealing with individual karma. You know, but, um, <laughs> So it's it's not, yeah, they may feel that way, but a lot of them, when they actually have to kill someone, yeah. it, you know, a lot of it is like, well, it's either me or you, and so they take the other person out, but afterwards they can have nightmares. And, and one of the reasons for that is because they're not really chatriyas. You see, this is, this is very, the, the uh, we don't have it now, but the draft was a terrible thing. Draft was forcing people into the service, right? Um, in Vietnam, um, and so even there was a song, there was a protest song in the 60s, so put down your books and pick up a gun, we're going to have a whole lot of fun. It was a facetious statement, but, you know, and it's one, two, three, what are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn. Next stop is Vietnam, <laughs> and it's five, six, seven, seven, open them pearly gates, ain't no time to wonder why, whoopee, we're all going to die. That was the uh, protest song. I, yeah, the, the few servicemen that I know, uh-huh. yeah. they've, 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 they've been involved with Afghanistan and Iraq. For them, it's, it's like a blood sport. It's, it's, a, it's like a blood sport. It's like a, so it's, a no it's a thrill. It's a thrill. 
So it, it, so other so maybe they have a country of blood in them. Yes. Yeah. Right. So now it, we have a volunteer army now, so that it, it is different than when there was a draft. You know, um, my, they used to have a lottery, and um, towards the end of Vietnam, where they you know certain date you they like literally like a lottery, and look at a date and you know and let's say you know there's 365 days if you were born the first hundred days of the lottery you go to Vietnam and I and we were I remember like we were in so much anxiety because my brother was of, of that age mm -hmm. right and he was pretty low but he was all ready to move to Canada you know, he's not a country <laughs> you know? so country is here that you know they're supposed to yeah okay Lay it on me, yeah, I'm right. juicy. I can either go to heaven, planets, or I die, you know, or I win the kingdom, and you know, it's great. Um, but now war is hellish, and 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 innocent children and and bystanders are often affected, you know, bombs that go to the wrong place or bad intel, mm -hmm. you know. No, I mean these guys themselves have sustained serious injuries that can affect them for the rest of their lives. But he still said he's going to send both his sons for at least one enlistment wow. in the army. Just see. So that's, that's what makes a man. The rest of us are just faggots. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the Chachis in those times you know, went around calling everybody a faggot. <laughs> they actually listened to um, to Brahmanas. But, but that might show that, that he at least has some, or those people have some country of blood. A lot of, um, at least what we say, I haven't ever researched it, but um, a lot of um, Sikhs uh, descend from uh, Chatria blood. Mm. <clears throat> they even carry around those knives. Yeah, that's yeah. Do you do anything besides watching television or movies? Yeah. Comes to bug with you. Did you have a question, Mama? Yeah, I had one. So, like back then, um, like Arjun and his family and. His relatives and, and everyone was fighting. I know it was like a very imperialistic time, and like their actions were. But now, what would you call it? Because now it's more like vicious and like full of anger. Would mean war? Yeah. Like, how, how would you call it? Um, like at the time, it was like imperialism. Well. Um. You mean like the reasoning behind it? Yeah. Like now it's more based on politics or it's money often or... it's often economics. <clears throat> often one of the biggest I think what he's saying is this was more chivalrous at that time. Yeah, this one yes. It was more chivalrous back then. So. But war today is often economic or sometimes fueled by like a really crazy person. Like I mean at least that's part of the thing with Hitler, but it wasn't just that. He wasn't just that he was nuts or or megalomaniac. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, there was a lot of dissatisfaction in the country, and all that, but a lot of it is economics. A lot of it is economics. I thought it was national security. Well, it, it may be. Is national security and economics do go hand in hand? You can't have a thriving economy if uh, you're dead. <laughs> and then if you don't have one, it's like, who do you blame? If you don't have national security? No, like, if there's something, like, a problem going on in the country, it's like, there's always a group of people to blame. Someone has to take the blame. Yeah, that's right. That's a, yeah, there's a lot of scapegoating going on. Yeah, a lot of scapegoating. It's really a mess now. I mean, Kali Yuga is so clear. 
the uh, manifest. It's such a, you know, now they say, right, that North Korea could actually reach anywhere in America. Oh, my God. Right. That's what North Korea has. Yeah. <laughs> then, you know, we, we call them Rocket Man. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like the degradation is very rapid. It does, yes. doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does seem that way. Text 51. Being thus engaging, by, by thus engaging in devotional service, or specifically Buddha Yoga, to the Lord, great sages or devotees free themselves from the results of work in this material world. In this way, they become free from the cycle of birth and death, and they attain the state beyond all miseries by going back to Godhead. Next verse. When your intelligence has passed out of the dense forest of delusion, you shall be indifferent to all that has been heard and all that it has, uh, the, and all that is to be heard. That's specifically about the Vedas, those parts of the Vedas, because it says here there are many good examples in the lives of the great devotees of the Lord, of those who became indifferent to the rituals of the Vedas simply by devotional service. So sometimes you can get so caught up in ritualistic things that you forget the purpose behind them. You know, I gave you the, you know, that example. It's kind of a, this is a cute example, but uh, maybe I told it the other day, that about the cat in the wedding. Did I mention that? No. So the, uh, so there was there was a wedding in uh, and going on, and there was a cat that kind of was disturbing the wedding, running around. So somebody finally caught the cat and put him in a put the cat in a basket and covered the basket. So at the next wedding, somebody who saw that said, oh, well, we can't have the wedding without a cat in the basket. They had, you know, and then it became like a tradition for <laughs> But, yeah. So, that's, that's a very um, famous, very common, they have a um, quote in the Nepali community. It is. Yeah, that someone doing, well, wedding has some kind of perform puja, something going on, yeah. The cat, you know, disturbs, and then you know, the father tries to tie the cat on the pole, and then from the next generation, son was watching, and then he thought that, you know, without the explanation, and then they thought, oh, so the puja should not be, cannot be done without tying a cat on the pole. Uh -huh. So then the son, the next generation, tries hard to look for a cat in that whole village, so he can tie it in the pole, and then puja can be performed. <laughs> yeah, right. So because, you know, it's just without understanding why. So yeah, people just been following blindly. There's so many things in the East, in India. Hi, Balamalan, Arjuna. Thank you for coming. Yeah, in Eastern culture, there's so many things behind yeah. it. When we started Krishna consciousness, we thought, oh my God, why have I been doing so many things all my life? When I was little, I didn't know the meaning behind it. I learned you know, why I'm doing it, why I used to do it. So. And that's why I think it's really important. Uh, yeah. One thing that ISKCON can help the uh, Indian community in America is because what, what 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 has happened. I don't know if it's still happening as much, but so a person would come to America from India, then they'd often bring their grand, their parents with them, right. right? And then they had their children, and the and the you know the uh, the grandparents often weren't working. And they were doing some puja and there was right. ganache and all this, and then the kids who were going to you know American schools they see this ganache and the incense. And the, yeah. like, oh, what is the hocus pocus stuff? You know. So, if they can come in touch with Krishna consciousness, they can actually understand the meaning behind right. all this, yeah. and actually see. You know, otherwise it just looks like hocus pocus. Yeah. It looks like you know, yeah. some kind of rituals yeah. that, that you know, some thing that 
because you know, and, and they can't even sometimes even communicate so well with they don't necessarily speak the language as well because they're second generation. You know, I've seen it so many times. And then, uh, and I'll talk to like a teenage kid who learns about Krishna consciousness. Wow, you mean that all the stuff my grandparents were doing wasn't yeah. all that crazy, you know? Yeah, we <laughs> they get, understand who Ganesh yeah. is and they understand, you know? Yeah, we get taught from the early age just follow the rituals, follow right. this is what we do, you know? Do, but not many parents and parents know why we were doing why it. We're because doing they it. were told by their parents, they taught us, but right. we did because they asked us to do it. But it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. People have the internet. Right, they, right, and, you right. know, well, they this want to know reasons right. behind right. stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Well, if they get to the right website, you know, other. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> when your mind is no longer disturbed by the flowery language of the Vedas, and when it remains fixed in the trance of the self-realization, then you will have attained the divine consciousness. Prabhupada writes at the towards the end, in Krishna consciousness, one comes directly into communion with Krishna. And thus, all directions from Krishna must may be understood in that transcendental state. So now there's another, the last section for this chapter is talking about the consciousness of a devotee, especially when who's in samadhi or very advanced. So Arjuna asks this question in 54. Um, he says, O oh Krishna, what are the symptoms of one whose consciousness is thus merged in transcendence? How does he speak? What is his language? How does he sit and how does he walk? So he's talking about speaking, walking, but it's just basically what he's saying, what kind, you know, what is that kind of person like? Mm. Yeah. And Prabhupada talks about uh, speaking in the purport towards the end. He said, it is said that a fool is undiscovered as long as he does not speak. <laughs> and certainly a well-dressed fool cannot be identified unless he speaks. <laughs> but as soon as he speaks, he reveals himself at once. The immediate symptoms of a Krishna conscious man is that he speaks only of Krishna and matters related to him. Other symptoms then follow, uh, automatically follow as stated below. Supreme Personality of God had said, O Parta, when a man gives up all varieties of desire for sense gratification, which arise from mental concoction, and when his mind thus purified finds satisfaction in self alone, then he is said to be in pure transcendental consciousness. Let's just focus on this one sentence, uh, one, two, maybe the third one. Consequently, it is rightly said herein, herein, herein <laughs> that one has to give up all kinds of sense desire manufactured by mental concoction. Mm -hmm. So what that means is we think so many things are really going to give us happiness. And some, or unhappiness and both of them what it's saying here are basically just illusion intersecting with more illusion mm. <laughs> you know and it's not because it's not eternal first of all um and it's just yeah it's just it's all you know as we as we say sometimes it's all in the mind <clears throat> right you know you think that third piece of cheesecake is really going to, and then afterwards, oh, I can't believe I ate the whole thing, you know, <laughs> right, um, or whatever, we think this will bring us happiness, that will bring us happiness, um, but here, you know, Krishna's saying it's all just the mind tricking you into thinking that's going to give you happiness, but real happiness only comes from a connection with him. So how do we, because I feel like, 
I uh, understand that at least to a certain extent, right? Okay. Like I, in that when you say it, I think I agree with you, right? So I okay. fully comprehend it, but I understand. Um, and I think that's true, and I would like bet my life on it. But then I still worry about things that I think are gonna cause pain, and I still like try for things that I think are gonna bring happiness. Welcome to the material world. <laughs> yes, but it's getting like it's getting increasingly frustrating, right? Yeah. And the more I learn, the more frustrating I yeah. get. So it's... then, how do we shake ourselves out of it? At one point, does it ultimately, tip, or... ultimately, ultimately, um, it when 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 Krishna was naughty as a child and his mother was going to capture him and tie him up uh, while she was you know just to keep him from doing really naughty things like ruining you know tearing down trees and stuff every time she tried to tie him, him up with a rope it was two fingers too short right two fingers too short every time even she got all the rope in the village it was still and so the two inches is our endeavor and Krishna's mercy. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, of the two, by far, Krishna's mercy is much more powerful. Mm -hmm. So this is where, um, so the, the, what we want to work on when, we, when you have an experience like you just said, and we all need to try to work on this gradually or quickly, is that that realization that we're not very good at this stuff <laughs> spiritually should lead to humility mm -hmm. and the way to really get Krishna's for Krishna's full mercy to descend he it descends to the extent that we really want it and you really want something when you're when you just realize there's no other there's no way around us I really just have to I really mm -hmm. I can't do this on my own Krishna you're my only hope you know, we're not just depending on that other finger, you know, which is our spiritual muscle. That's important to do our best. Get up early in the morning, you know, let when the alarm goes off and all that stuff. Um, and usually Krishna will frustrate us thoroughly at different times in our life to help us to nudge us towards that realization. <laughs> and so when you when you hear these great great devotees, you know, who are spreading these songs, Bhakti Thakur. Vishnu, Narutam Das Thakur, their humility is painful. Mm. You know, or even Prabhupada, not even, but Prabhupada, when he wrote a poem on, um, <coughs> on the Jaladutta when he was on the boat coming here. And, you know, he's just like, make, make me dance, O oh Lord, make me dance as you like. And then he signed it, the most in, insignificant beggar. Mm. Mm. Right, so, so just that full dependence and and you know mm. so figuratively or actually we want to cry for Krishna and if we can't cry for Krishna we, we should be crying that we can't cry for Krishna and if we can't cry that we're not crying but we should cry that we can't cry that we're not crying for Krishna <laughs> so that's a very deep spiritual mm. and you read that in the great charyas you read that also in the great saints you know of other traditions that, that uh, can't do this all because you know we hear you, you know we can get so used to ah, I got this I got it you need some help that's right I'm good right <laughs> I'm good everybody wants to show also right. that they know everything and that they're good right? yeah I'm good yeah yeah but 
we don't go. We shouldn't go up to Krishna and say, "Madam, I'm good." Okay. Speaking of mental concoction, yes, I really like this concept a lot, and I think about okay, what is it? And I was thinking about an example of a small personal family example, like my family members bigger family members, including my parents, they live back in Nepal. Right. They manage with, uh, compared to here, very meager right. things in, in the house. Whereas here, we can't even think about living that way. Right. My parents are 82 years old. <laughs> and, and they're healthy? and they have, they have, Yeah, they have good health. Do you think they're um, much less happy than you because they don't have the modern amenities that you have? Yeah, I mean, they are at least as happy as we are, but they are much more happy. So there, there is the, the, the stuff yeah. that we have gathered around here is totally mental concoction. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think of this every day. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Uh, I was in um, Roslyn yesterday, you know, just over the bridge, and uh, going to some meeting. And uh, there were some homeless, two homeless people, and uh, they were, you know, they looked like they had gotten some food from a restaurant because they, they were, you know, had a good place. And I was walking by, and I was thinking, I wonder who's happier. I wasn't thinking devotional, you know. <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, you know, who's happier here? All these people running around with their suits and ties, or are those two? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't say. <laughs> Because there's a lot of anxiety when you have yeah. mortgage and car payments and yeah. and you know your second divorce and you know <laughs> you know and, and the children yeah and the children and you know yeah. and these people I'm not saying it you know I, I want to become homeless in a big hurry <laughs> and especially with winter coming up <laughs> you know you should go to Florida then or... yeah right, right. <laughs> right yeah um, snowbird uh, uh, homeless people. <laughs> But um, but I wasn't convinced yeah. who was happier. They looked like they were there yakking it up and talking, and right. so they didn't have the, a job. They didn't have a boss. On the aggregate, you know, look at what quality of you know, characters that, let's say, just American civilization or the country as America has mm-hmm. brought. I mean, we we can't watch TV these days, right? You can't. Oh, because it's mm-hmm. on the news? Yes. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that America consumes, you know, if yeah. everybody consumes as Americans, we need six honest. times more of the, of right. the earth. Right. And with that consumption, that consumption, aggregate consumption, mm-hmm. more consumption, right. is all mental concoction. So what do we get out of that? What is the kind of character we have got? A lot of stress. Yeah. Now it's, it, but I totally agree with everything you're saying, and not but, but and um, ultimately one can be Krishna conscious in the greatest of opulence, or in the poorest of poor. And Prabhupada writes that. I unfortunately don't have a nectar of devotion here, but in the nectar of devotion, in the he says the nectar of devotion is not meant to put down any material way of life. One can live with their modern amenities and at the same time add Krishna to their life. Right, right. So, 
even if those things, other things are mental intellectual or not absolute necess necessity, um, especially when we're trying to share Krishna consciousness with other people who aren't Krishna conscious yet, we don't have to tell them, oh, get rid of that car of yours. No, you know, no, <laughs> we just say add Krishna. Right. And then according to their realization as they develop their Krishna consciousness, they can see what level of um, opulence or whatever they... But one isn't necessarily, my point is, you can't judge a book by its cover. One isn't necessarily not Krishna conscious, yes, even true. in living an opulent right. lifestyle. Right. Mm -hmm. Your goodness can also be more binding. Right? Yeah. You're yeah. very happy in your life. That's a whole other thing, yeah. But, yes. like, I was thinking when you said that, like, I'm thinking about that often, like, Krishna gives, like, all the seeds for, for food. And, the, and, uh, and there's wood and there's everything we need in the environment so we, we don't need all the cars and the factories and stuff actually everything if we would live like in a natural way the air would be clean the water Agrarian. would be pure it's like yeah. a completely different way of looking at life and at one time that was Prabhupada's idea he said for those like especially married families that weren't um, let's say in full time doing the mission he was trying to set up ideal farm communities where people could live simple living and high thinking mm. and just not have the stress of city life or even worse perhaps is suburban life. I mean suburban <laughs> life is just so boring. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah, just like I mean this is pretty boring here. Well <laughs> except the temples here. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. But anyway, should we move on a little bit? Yeah. Okay, so one who is, did we do that one? Did we do 56? One who is not disturbed in mind, even amidst the threefold miseries, or elated when there is happiness, and who is free from attachment, fear, and anger, is called a sage of steady mind. Oops. And at the very end, attachment means accepting things for one's own sense gratification. And detachment is the absence of such sensual attachment. But one fixed in Krishna consciousness has neither attachment nor detachment because his life is dedicated to the service of the Lord. Mm. Consequently, he is not at all angry even when his attempts are unsuccessful. Success or no success, a Krishna conscious person is always steady in his determination. Mm. I know here we have as many women as men, so I think you all understand that Prabhupada is using the pronoun he mm -hmm. and, and throughout, but it applies similarly to men and women. But yes, yeah, so attachment, not good. Detachment, mm -hmm. just because the attachment gave you a lot of frustration, not ideal. Yeah. Krishna attachment, mm -hmm. good. Makes me think of this, there was this like new bhakta owner at Krishna house, and he came from a pretty wealthy family. When he met the devotees, he gave everything away, including like all his expensive clothes. And then like a few weeks later, he realized that like, he needed clothes. <laughs> yeah. And he had to like go figure out how to get money so he could buy some clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, there's a uh, Ikendra Prabhu has that song about the mode of passion. Yeah. What I think I wanted, I decided I don't, and what I want right now won't be long till I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Monday I got it and was over that hill Tuesday. No. no. Monday I wanted and was over the hill Tuesday I got it and it made me ill. I'm in the mode of passion. <laughs> Ain't no kind of satisfaction.
play the song. Yeah. <laughs> a little break in the action. <laughs> have you heard his he's, song, Stephanie? Oh, he's so amazing. Uh, let's see, I have it on. He writes like all these like satirical like Christmas songs. He has a little um, Christmas album. I have it on. It's um, really funny. Hold on, I'll find it. It's on iTunes. Uh, here we go. Ready? He plays kind of country and western music. Okay, let's go back. But anyway, but that was yeah, that was the thing. Question. I gave it all away, and then the next day I, got, I wanted it all back, and everyone told me, "Tough luck, Jack." That's how it reminded me of that. Yeah. In the material world, one who is unaffected by whatever good or evil one he may attain, neither praising nor despising it, is firmly fixed in knowledge. So the whole, so much of this is we have our karma, we have stuff that's going to happen to us, good and bad, and what Krishna's trying to teach us is that's going to happen. Don't get super affected by the bad. Don't get super, you know, worried about the good, you know, whatever, bad and good. Fix your mind on me, and you'll, you'll, you'll sail through life. The winds will be favorable. That doesn't mean the lights are going to turn green and all this stuff. It doesn't mean there's not going to be problems. It doesn't mean you're not going to get sick. That's coming anyway. But you have a whole, I'm giving you, um, Krishna saying, I'm giving you this Bhagavad Gita, this knowledge. I'm giving you the tools to not be affected by this world, to rise above it, and to see what happens philosophically. Like that. So it's much better than just getting good karma and you know, getting millions of dollars. Somehow. It's all this stuff's going to happen, a lot of it, to us. How do we, how do we react? That's what Krishna's trying to help us with here. 58. One who is able to withdraw his senses from sense objects as a tortoise draws its limbs within the shell is firmly fixed in perfect consciousness. And the purport, just the first sentence, the test of a yogi, devotee, or self-realized soul is that he is able to control the senses according to his plan. So um, my experience with tortoises is there's a lot of them in Radha Kund. 
and you see them walking around, and, you know, not walking around, uh, <laughs> swimming around, and if you just agitate the water a little bit, they go, mm. and their limbs go right inside the shell immediately. And so I remember that when I think of this verse. So we should be able to do that. Use our senses in Krishna's service. The time they start to go into sense, gotta be, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> And now this is the verse that I said, uh, uh, I mentioned before. The embodied soul may be restricted from sense enjoyment. The, the picking up the two things. Yeah. Though the taste for sense objects remains. But ceasing such engagements by experiencing a higher taste, he is fixed in consciousness. So, we, mm. if we find, so it's really imperative we find, to find Krishna consciousness enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And then, then you give up the lower taste. It's like, you know. Just like if, you know, well, uh, my, so my beat up 2005 Prius, if someone handed me a totally paid for 2017 Prius, all of a sudden that would be a distant memory. <laughs> I wouldn't say, oh, God, I just lost my daughter. I had to trade that in for a Prius. No, it's like, <laughs> it's all, who cares, right? So that's uh, what this is saying. It's hard. It's, it says, he says, otherwise, if you just try to control the senses, right, um, you still can have the desire, right? You're like, and you're gritting your teeth. And, oh, I really shouldn't eat that, you know, right? But if someone, you know, even if let's say we're, I don't know, attached to something at a really tasty that we're not supposed to eat, right, as the hobbies. Um, but if then if somebody gives you like this amazing plate of, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. wonderful prasadam pizza, whatever, you know, you don't worry about that other stuff. So, so it's, um, this is a very important verse. Uh, it's called Param Dristva, Higher Taste. And that's where they got the name of the uh, cookbook, The Higher Taste. And some devotees have named their restaurants The Higher Taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, see? Because it's based on desire. It's like it's like if you have, I don't know if anyone's ever done any weeding in a garden, you know, but if you did, or, or in a lawn, if you just take the lawnmower and go over the, the weeds, they're back two weeks later. Mm-hmm. You have to pull them out by the root. So that's what this verse is saying, that you may restrict yourself, you may mow the lawn, um, but you haven't gotten to the cause of it. The cause of it is desire. You still want it. But when you experience a higher taste, you don't want it anymore. Very important verse, 259. It also, at least for me, then, um, it can also mess up like trying to be in the world. Because if you have experienced, like, maybe not a hard taste, but, like, a certain amount of knowledge, then it's hard to, like, go back to just being in the world and pretending like you have not learned something. Right. So, um, being in the world, you have to... Um... Are you laughing at me, or are you agree? I agree. She's oh, experiencing okay. it. I thought maybe I made it sound silly. She's experiencing it. It's funny, because I did a diff... Well, no, I did it kind of like you, but in a shorter amount of time. But Stephanie hasn't. In other words... You were in, living in a temple, being a devotee, then working outside. Right. right. And then this quickly what, ran back to the temple. Well, that's what I did, but I did it after um, uh, 35 years. And then entered the workforce, and I'm still there. Where as Stephanie's in the workforce, and now getting this you know, wonderful taste for Krishna consciousness, and kind of sometimes I'm like, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, yeah. Right? Did I get that right? Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. So here it's so nice. But one who has tasted the beauty of the Supreme Lord Krishna in the course of his advancement in Krishna consciousness 
no longer has a taste for dead material things. Mm. Therefore, restrictions are there for the less intelligent neophytes. Neophyte means beginner in the spiritual advancement of life. But such restrictions are only good until one actually has a taste mm. for Krishna consciousness. When one is actually Krishna conscious, he automatically loses his taste for pale things. Mm. Nice, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and here, the senses are so strong and impetuous, Arjuna, that they forcibly carry away the mind even of a man of discrimination, a gani, who is endeavoring to control them. One who restrains his senses, keeping them under full control, and fixes his consciousness upon me, is known as a man of steady intelligence. Now this is these next two verses are interesting if you look listen to the succession. While contemplating the objects of the senses, in other words, you, you see or taste or you know, see something that you really like, okay? you develop attachment for that, for that. And then from attachment, lust, doesn't necessarily mean like sexual, but wanting it, lust mm -hmm. develops. And from lust, anger arises, because when, when your lust is not fulfilled, you get angry. Mm -hmm. Lust is passion, anger is ignorance. Mm -hmm. See? And then the next verse, from anger, complete delusion, you just lose it when you're angry, right? You know, you do stupid things, right? You weave in and out of cars, you know, you do all kinds, of, right, when you're angry? Um, and from delusion, bewilderment of memory. When memory is bewildered, intelligence is lost, and when intelligence is lost, one falls down again into the material pool. Yeah, I always thought it was 62 and 63, really. Yes. <laughs> well then if you think about it though what we should do is nip it in the bud right from the beginning mm -hmm. don't try not to uh, contemplate the object of senses mm -hmm. otherwise I think we probably we probably all felt in some way or another this dominoes effect in our life yeah. mm -hmm. so many ripples are going on yes there's a lot of ripples <laughs> and then ripples upon ripples oh my god <laughs> And it's and also we, we're contemplating the opulence of the senses because we're not Krishna conscious, so it's kind of like a... Yes, it's a downward spiral. Yeah. But at any time, we can, we can get off out of the spiral. And get it. And we yeah. just go, oh, it's hard to, right? But at any time, we can go, Krishna. Mm. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Mm. And you will. Krishna also has really helped. Get me out of this yeah. spiral. But usually we kind of enjoy the spiral. That's, see, one of, the, one of the funny things is, um, you know, we were talking about the mind being bewildered, right? And we want peace of mind. But there is something, there is some kind of perverted pleasure in being bewildered. Yeah. And even worrying, there's some kind of like weird, you get, there's some taste there else who wouldn't do it. Is it like the rebelliousness to Krishna is almost like that, right? Like ultimately, kind of like, ultimately it is, yes. Right? It's, it's something yeah. there that... Ultimately it's like that, yes. Yeah. Um, I was talking to my dad this week about it, and I said, like, how can I stop worrying, you know? And he said, and he said, well, you must be getting something out of it. And I said, I don't know what it could that's be. Right. And he said, well, maybe you feel like it's giving you a false sense of control. I was like, okay, thanks, thanks Dad. Dad. Boy, he's so right. Her dad's a minister. Boy, he's smart. He should give a Bhagavatam class here. 
Yeah, I think for me it is like that. You know, if I'm worrying, then at least I think I'm taking because some I'm, kind of action. Yeah. You know, if only in my mind. Right. Such a Instead of thinking, okay, Krishna, what's the lesson I should be learning here? So what is the lesson we have? We have two minutes. We actually caught up a little bit. Now we're only um, nine verses behind. Last time we were ten. <laughs> but um, let's. I guess there's no reason to push it beyond our two hours to finish this. So uh, the homework assignment then for next week is the third chapter. Easy. Right? Sure. Very good. Yeah? So if you have Christmas shopping to do, do it some other time than Saturday between two and four. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I'm I'm here next week because I fly back from Albuquerque on Friday. I will join by a phone. Okay. All right. So um, re remember, we have to remember that. Yeah. Um, you're going to Long Island? No, no, I'm going to Iceland. Iceland. Oh. Really. Wow. Nice time of year for Iceland. I know, there's the Northern Lights, though. No, there's oh. Northern Lights, and also there's uh, the Hot Springs. 